The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to using creativity to usher in opportunity. The title of this episode is Pink is for Power, Purpose, and Pretty Clothes. This is my interview with Tiffany Walker. Tiffany Walker is a designer and founder of Pink Lucy, a fashion brand and store. Her designs conjure volume, flair, and big personality. Hailing from Shreveport, Louisiana, Tiffany herself has Southern charm that is infused into every garment that she creates. Her her creativity stems from what she envisions that her fashion enables women to be. Fearless, fierce, fashion forward, and of course, fabulous. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss using her gifts to help make the world a better, more fabulous place. Welcome, Tiffany. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank, and thank you. you for being a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Welcome. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really anxious to get into your story. So shall we get right into it? Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get it, girl. Let's get it. <laughs> so what inspired your passion for fashion? God, what inspired it? it? So many things, right? But more than anything, I had a love for art very early on. Um, my mother and father both were in the fashion industry, so to speak. My my mother was a fit model for Neiman Marcus. Um, my father um, modeled professionally. Um, he was actually signed with an agency. Um, and my father was also an artist. So I grew up with very fashion forward, forward um, very lively parents that um, taught me early on that I wasn't to put myself inside of a box, that anything I wanted to pursue, anything I wanted to do, that that was okay. And they were going to support that. So I was allowed to color outside of the lines, so to speak. Yes. Um, which was truly a blessing. And my father really, really taught me how to not see everything. It's just black and white to see the gray areas as well and opened up my vision to color and all the different, you know, in a, in a way that really taught me that the world wasn't just cut and dry, that there's so much more and um, being, you know, raised by parents that, were forward thinkers and that were so fabulous and and had so much swagger and just all of that um, just really 
helped me to see that it was okay for me to just be who I am. Like I didn't have to box myself and be the status quo. I love those lessons that you learned because frankly, the only thing that should be in a box is a gift, right? Exactly. And we could name lots of gifts. We could name Tiffany, Cartier, I mean, anything. Right. Right. That's the only thing that should be in a box. We shouldn't put ourselves in a box. We shouldn't let society put us in a box. So that's the first lesson that I really appreciate that your parents taught you. And the second one is that of color, right? The world yes. is not black and white. It's not this or that. It's this and that and something else and the other. So exactly. I, love, I love the metaphor that you use that you should be able to see color, enjoy color and color outside those lines. So I love the box metaphor and the color metaphor. So good no, for you. you. So yeah. you had this inspiration from your parents. You had, you know, this sort of unrestricted um, vision of what you could do for your life. Why did you choose to create a fashion line? You could have gone into modeling because clearly. <laughs> well, thank you. Hello. Clearly. <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> well, I dabbled a little bit, but I <laughs> I enjoyed being behind the scenes more than anything. Um, so to be able to create was a God-given talent of mine. Um, and I feel like I inherit, inherited that from my father. Mm. So it was something that just kind of came natural for me. It wasn't something that I had to work pretty hard at. It just it was me. Right. Yeah. So I lost my father when I was um, 13 years old, which was extremely thank you. Extremely devastating for me yeah. um, because I had a great father figure. I had a great man as my father. I had someone that I that truly taught me how a man is supposed to treat me. Um, oh also taught me, you know, how to be confident in myself and not allow people or things to. Uh, Jade, my view, you know, uh, so many life lessons was taught in that short period of time in 13 years. Um, so with that being said, I always felt like my father didn't take his talents to the levels that they could have. You know, um, he was more concerned about trying to provide for his family. Of course. So with that being said, um, there were dreams and dreams and aspirations that he put on hold for his family. There were things that, you know, were his personal struggles that those demons that he had to deal with. Great man, but like all of us, we all have things that are, are our vices. And he had some vices. <laughs> what did you say? We are human. Yeah, we are human. Absolutely. So those things... Um, you know, were things that kept him from pursuing his love and passion. He did it to a degree, but he didn't do it to the extent that it could have been done. So at an early age, I decided that I wasn't going to allow that to be my truth. Mm. That I had to take on this legacy that he left and take it to the levels that it needed to be on because this man was so amazing, so talented, so handsome, so debonair, like tall, good looking, dressed head, always dressed from head to toe, well-spoken, you know, like the world needed to see him and the world still gets to see him and know him through me. So. 
I decided at 13 years old that I was going to see this thing through. That wow. I was going to continue this legacy of creativity, of, you know, amazing confidence and swagger and all of those things. Um, and it became a life journey and purpose for me. I knew that's what I was supposed to do. So I did the things that I needed to do in order to make sure that I would be sitting here today. It's Pink Lucy. Wow. What is your father's name? Willie Nalen Walker. Shall we dedicate this podcast to Willie Nalen Walker? Yes. And we have to dedicate it to my mother, too. I lost her in 2018. My God. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. But when I tell you um, the power and strength that this has given me has just been amazing. It makes me tear up. But... Just great parents. Yes, yes, obviously. And continuing to be great in a different way from a different place. Right. What is your, what is your mother's name? Betty Jean Walker. We are dedicating this podcast also to Betty Jean right. Walker. I know they're proud of you. Oh, I. they let me know in my dreams often. Good. Oh, good. oh that's wonderful. I won't get too yes. woot here, but it's wonderful that they communicate with you in your dreams. That's very they important. Do. My mother way more than dad, because dad yeah. was kind of the one that always sat in the cut and just, you know, watched. <laughs> but my mother is always letting her presence be known. Okay. Almost, almost every night for the last past three years. Okay, so you are you are being guided. I am definitely being guided. Okay, well, I'm sorry for your losses. Thank you. Thank but they you. have they have definitely left you some gems, and it's incredible what you've decided to learn from those experiences and to do what you're doing. So, tell me about Pink Lucy. Why the name Pink Lucy? Oh God! So that's a that's a story that has to do with my mother. So um, pink, of course, is my favorite color because pink is a lifestyle. That's right. That, that I have the blessing to live. Yes. And um, one morning I was getting dressed and I was about to open up my first location. So originally when I started designing, it was under under the name T. Chemise. Chemise, the um, French word for shirt or loosely fit dress, yes. which is just ironically my middle name. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I just always heard people butcher the name and I was just like, eh, I don't think it's that marketable. I was like, I think I should change the name, you know, but it has so many memories and, and history behind it. Um, you know, I started designing clothes, like I said, at 13 and in college, everyone knew me as Tisha Meese. And it was just one of those things where I kind of had to make that executive decision to take on a name that I felt that I could really, really bring. So I am getting ready to open up my first location. Yes. So I'm like, nah, I can't be called Tisha Meese. Nah, <laughs> can't be called that. So I'm like really thinking hard, like while I'm doing my makeup, I'm like, okay, God, like, what should I name it? Like, oh my, what? So the name Pink Lucy pops up in my head and I was like, 
oh my God, that's it. That's it. Pink Lucy. Like that is so marketable. Like no one can mess up that name, you know? So I called my mother and I'm like, Ma, um, I always called her Ma. I was like, Ma, Ma, what do you think of the name Pink Lucy? And she was, she paused and she was like, there was a sigh. She said, oh, I love it. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, okay, so let me ask you this. Why do you always call my niece? Well, I mean, of course, I didn't ask her why she called my niece. I was like, why do you always call Taylor Lucy? Yes. And she was like, well, um, I do it as a term of endearment because I always thought it was the craziest thing ever. <laughs> like, why is my mom calling Lucy Taylor? Like, Taylor and Lucy aren't even remotely close to each other. Nope. So why is she calling her that? But of course, you know, we knew not to question mom when it came to certain things. So we just went with it. You know? That's right. <laughs> and she was like, well, actually, I use it as a term of endearment. Um, like the show I Love Lucy. And she was like, oh, because no. um, I Love Lucy was always one of my favorite shows growing up. And she was like, and I just love this show. She was like, so I just started calling Taylor Lucy. Like, you know, <laughs> I love Taylor. I love Lucy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. And I said, well, that's it. That's the name. Pink Lucy. And she was like, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I was like, yeah, because I love the color pink. Yes. I love you. Oh. And it I fits. love Taylor. So I love Lucy. And that's how the name was born. Perfect. Great story. Great story. <laughs> it is absolutely fitting. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had it trademarked. Um, and from that point on, I went as I went as Pink Lucy. It Tisha Meese. She didn't die. She just kind of retired. Retirement <laughs> <laughs> is very sexy. <laughs> and the fabulous little sister of Tisha Meese was born, and she is Pink Lucy. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. Well, I have to admit, I obviously went on the site before my, you know, computer sort of crashed on me and I saw a few things there. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a black number. I don't know if it's a bodysuit or a top, but it has like, like ruffles coming out. Almost yes, just like, I know exactly which one. I need that in my life. I need that in my we'll life. Make sure, we'll make sure that <laughs> happens for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll no. have Belize to get all your information. So it, uh, we, it is made to order, but um, we'll put it in production for you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Now, for whom you, do you design? For whom, like, who do you have in mind when you are creating and why? You know what? Um, I have the woman who doesn't mind standing out in a crowd. I have her in mind. I have just really always been really big on self-esteem, self-confidence, 
um, being comfortable in the skin that you're in, that doesn't mean that we don't want to improve ourselves. It just means that, you know, hey, overall, I'm okay with who I am. Now, there's always room for improvement. You know, I stay on the diet. So, you know, like, (laughs) I'm constantly, like, trying to be the best version of me, you know? Of course. So, I always think about the woman who is really okay with herself. She embraces who she is. And for me, that looked like um, embracing the body that I have. Like I'm a female that has a very small, you know, upper torso and down below, below the waist, like I'm very curvy. <laughs> yes, I have I have hips and butt, and I've had it since the sixth grade, and I hated it. I just it made me feel like the odd man out, you know. But even then, uh, my mother made sure to you know speak life into me to let me know it was okay that I was different than the other girls and that I shouldn't be ashamed of that. Right. Um, so I was taught to embrace my body at a young age. But of course, when you're looking at young, younger girls who, you know, they're straight up and down and you're like, and they can wear any and everything, you know, um, with me, like if I put on a pair of shorts, it's like, Oh my God, like you really shouldn't be wearing those because you know, it it just did not translate the same on me because of my Coke bottle shape. Um, so with that being said, I always um, struggled with finding clothes that like fit me correctly because everything would be so huge in the waist. Yes. Um, but, you know, when it came to my hips and my butt, you know, it fit. Yeah. <laughs> Everything goes just yeah. in fit. So always like trying to wear the latest styles and like, you know, having to find a belt to put on because right. nothing fit in the waist. All of those things like really, really made me know that my calling was to not only dress body types like mine, but to dress women so that they felt comfortable in the skin that they're in and what they're wearing and that they look fabulous, whether they're a size zero or a size 22. So like I tell people all the time, pink Lucy is for everybody. Emphasis on body. B-O-D-Y. I don't care if you're a zero or a 22 or a 24, whatever you may be, that's just your size. So people will be like, oh, well, um, do you carry plus size? And my answer is, I carry all sizes. Good for you. I just don't feel, I just feel that we have so many, you know, boxes that we're put in, just like I talked about earlier, you know, being, being in this box. Oh, well, you're a size this, so you shouldn't do this. Or, oh, you're this, so you shouldn't do that. All of those things, um, they, they trap us. Yeah. Um, and it's a mind trap as mm-hmm. well. And that's how women lose their confidence. That's how women aren't certain who they are. And guess what? They have children, right? Mm-hmm. And that same thing is passed along, right? So you got a bunch of women that are not comfortable 
who with who they are and that's how we get our haters that's how we get you know our trolls that's constantly bashing people on social media it all stems from the fact that you don't love yourself enough and a lot of times that's a learned behavior it was learned and you know it's very important to unlearn that and become comfortable in the skin that you're in now, it took me a while to embrace this lovely body of mine. Um, but at the same time, it didn't make me love me any less, right? It just, I realized that there was um, there was a niche that I needed to fulfill. Just because a woman has a small waist and a big rear end does not mean that she's necessarily plus size. That's true. I agree I with mean you. that. That, that's just the way that she's shaped. Yeah. But for so long, we were given these standards that, okay, a size two, this is the measurements, the size four. None of that accommodates for the fact that this woman may have a really small waist and a large rear end, you know, that goes back to the fabrications that are used. Right. It goes back to the cut, you know. Right. It needs to be slimmer in the waist and have a little bit more room in the hips. Like when it lays down on the table, you should be able to see the curvature, you know. And I quickly realized that that was my purpose. Yeah, that's pretty right. incredible. That is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And I'm glad I got the, you know, I created a, a good title for this podcast because not even knowing your full story yet, right? aligning pink with power and purpose. It's just, it's fantastic. So you. I, I, I commend you on what you are doing, especially communicating through clothing, because we all know fashion communicates. Absolutely. So, that so, is my canvas. Right. So <laughs> if, it, if your, if your fashion communicates something, would you say that the message that you want your clothes to convey is for women to be confident and to love themselves. Is, is that the simple message? Absolutely. My clothing is more than just what you put on your body because we have to wear clothes. Yeah. My clothing is, is a statement maker. It's a, it has a signature. Yeah. You know, people always say, I can always tell when it's, it's, is something of yours. I can tell when it's Pink Lucy. I've I've had people to inbox me like, wait, is this one of your dresses? Like, yeah, like, or hey, I saw this girl at such and such, and she had on this this dress, and it had this like shoulder detail, and you know, like it it she was so snatched in it, and I just knew that was your dress, and I asked her, and she was like, yeah, it's Pink Lucy. Wow. That is the most fulfilling thing ever for me as a designer, that people know my worth without looking at the tag. That is the biggest accomplishment ever as a designer. So, you know, to, to have the ability to create in a manner that you have a signature that people actually can recognize is just amazing. I know now because th that black tool thing that I was talking about, that she was like the phoenix rising in that in that getup. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> now let's um, talk about 
sort of the business aspect a little bit. And related to that, um, my first question is, describe your creative process. Like, what is it that you see or you feel that makes you think, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to make a pattern and I'm going to create that dress or that top or those pants. Describe your creative process for me. Uh, my creative process, um, I am very much inspired by color, um, by prints, and by shape. So um, I love creating things that have volume, you know, mm -hmm. where um, it's fitted, but it has this, you know, shoulder piece or it has some structure to it because I just think it just makes the clothing so much more interesting. I play around with a lot of color. I play around with a lot of prints. I, of course, play around with structure. Yeah. Um, fit is very important to me as well. Again, I don't care if you're a two or 22. Fit is so important. Yes. Um, so for me, um, I am definitely inspired by people watching. Yeah. You know, so streetwear. Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of times like we'll just get fabric that I really like and play around with it. And then I, you know, I let the fabric tell me what it wants to do. Wow. So yeah. I do a lot of draping. I drape a lot of things. Um, so just kind of playing around with it. Um, it's what my creative process is. Of course I sketch and I, I sketch exceptionally well, um, because art was my first love. Yes. Um, I was originally a graphic design major in college and then wow. I switched to fashion yeah. um, because I was like, okay, I, I got this fashion thing down pat, but I need to be able to, you know, have a great life for myself as I pursue my dreams. So I knew that graphic design was something that could be really lucrative. So that was my thought process. And then finally I said, you know what? I'm going to learn the business of fashion. Yes. And that's when I switched my major to um, fashion merchandising and marketing because my mother and I had a pact that I could pursue fashion as long as she, as long as I understood that I could not go to art school. She was like, I need you to have something else that, you know, can back you you gotta have yeah. a backup plan you know yeah. so um she wouldn't let me go to to art school but i she was like you go to a four-year college i will support you in any way that i can once you graduate you can take this on full throttle that wow. was the agreement okay so um with that with that being said um i decided okay well i'm not going to major per se in fashion design, but I will major in fashion merchandising and marketing. So I actually have a degree in fashion merchandising and marketing with a minor in art because of all the graphic design classes I took. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, all of it. Yes. All of, it. of course, I took fashion classes, as design classes as well. Yeah. Um, but it was truly a blessing to really learn the business of fashion, which has helped me tremendously. I, I can only imagine, and I'm sure it has. But despite taking you know, those classes and despite majoring in merchandising and, and knowing the business aspects of your craft, was it still challenging um, to be a woman entering into the business of fashion? Um, 
not necessarily being a woman, but being a black woman. I was just going to say the part two of that was yeah. how about being a black woman. Yeah. So oddly enough, when I, I entered the fashion, I mean, the uh, graphic design program at Louisiana Tech University, I originally went to Southern University, Baton Rouge, because I had to go to HBCU. Okay. So I realized that I was just having too much of a good time. <laughs> a little and, too much fun. <laughs> yeah. And even though I was like juggling it all, like the partying and my grades, yeah. I just knew that if I really was serious about what I wanted to do, then I needed to be somewhere where I could focus more. So I actually How left, responsible of you. Right. I left Southern on my own. My mother did not force me to. She came home from work and I was like, yeah, so I decided to transfer. I already did all the paperwork. And she was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's just what I need to do. So I've always been very focused. Yes. Um. So with that being said, um. When I entered the graphic design program at Louisiana Tech, here I am on campus. I'm excited. This like they had one of the best programs ever. I go to meet with um, the dean of the college, and I walk in. He says, uh, "You're Tiffany Walker, white man, older white man." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yes, sir." Now I have the all American white girl name. So he's like, you're Tiffany? Yes, sir. He looks at me. He looks down at his desk. He looks back up. And he said, hmm. He said, well, I'm going to tell you this right now. You already have two strikes against you. Whoa. He said, not only are you a female, but you're black. Good luck. This man actually said this. Whoa. And and Listen, he was pointing out reality. Okay. He was definitely pointing out reality, but what I did not know is that he was also my professor. Ooh, conflict of interest to say the least. Yes. And when I tell you this man did everything in his power, like he would like call me out in class. Like he would do so many things to make me feel uncomfortable. And um, our final for the class was um, an ad campaign about organ donation. Okay. So I was like, you know, I'm, I've always been very imaginative and really creative, of course. So I was like, Oh, okay. So the grim reaper, um, let's see, standing inside in standing in a cemetery and like, you know, there's a casket and the person's laying in a casket. And then I like, I created the campaign and like the tagline was, you can't take them with you. Mm. It was genius to me. You know, all the other classmates was like, ah, that's like, that's dope. Bunch of men now. Cause I'm really the only, you know, woman that is in that's in these graphic design classes. And um, that man failed me. He failed me. Whoa. And I was crushed. I have never cried the way I cried when I failed at class. And I went to, um, went to my dorm room after I found out and I called my mom and I was like, can't believe he failed me. Like I've never made an F and I'm just going on and on and on. And she didn't know. She didn't know what to say. Like, what do you say? You know, like, what do you do? 
and I heard about the fashion design program, um, the fashion merchandising program at Tech. So I walked across campus to human ecology mm-hmm. and with tears in my eyes, I met a lady named Dr. Linda Sibbles and she said, you wasn't supposed to be there anyway. This is where you're supposed to be. And she was like, and I hate to tell you this, but they do this to weed certain people out because the program is so competitive. You know, there are so many people that want to get into this graphic design program at Tech and there's not that many spots. So she was like, unfortunately, you were weeded out. She was like, but you have a home here. And when I tell you that woman supported me to no end, like I was like, the store student, <laughs> you yeah. know, like she would do, she would go over and, and beyond for me because she knew I was serious about what I wanted to do. My first fashion show that I ever had, she was there and brought all of the professors from the human ecology program at Tech. That's amazing. And she always served as a mentor for me. And I owe a great deal of my success to Dr. Linda Sibbles. Yes. And I have to say in a twisted kind of way, because this is how sometimes I rationalize, you know, sort of the drama and trauma that mm-hmm. I've been through right. throughout my training in plastic surgery. Because let me tell you, there was a lot of it. Oh, similar- plastic. oh wow. <laughs> but similar stories to you, you know, the the denigration, the you're not good enough, the, you know, you suck, you know, I, you're, you know, I'm going to fail you, all that stuff. When you know that you're so much better than that. So in a twisted right. kind of way, you kind of have to be grateful to your hater. Because I, I had it not been like, that dean and professor, you may not have found Dr. Sybil. And I completely agree. And, you know, the I thing of it is, is this man told me basically that I could never be a graphic designer. However, I do a lot of the graphics for my company. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So like I've been saying for years that I need to send him a thank you note. And I really do. And I need to let him know that, you know, even though you tried to make it so difficult for me, this is who I am today. And yeah, I'm quite a success because of you. Yes. I would have way too many thank you notes to write. So I don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, you do that. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. Um, you, you are so full of amazing stories. Now, thank you. Um, is that where you learned how to run your business through the fashion merchandising program and through the mentorship with Dr. Sybil? Is that and a whole you- bunch of mistakes? Yes. That's how I learned, you know, a lot of financial mistakes, just, um, you know, basically overextending myself sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my mother's death taught me how to say no. Yeah, I finally learned that in 2018 is how to say no to people, you know, um, because I always wanted to go over and beyond. I've always been an over overachiever, almost a perfectionist to a sense. Yeah. But um, that was something that I definitely struggled with was, you know, like, oh, yeah, I can do it. I can do anything. I can do this. I can do that. And, you know, and it becomes too much. It becomes, it crushes you. It's like, you don't have the bandwidth to do all, to be all the things that you need to be to everyone. Plus be there for your business. That's a hard thing to do, you know? So finally I found the ability to say no. Um, 
And that was powerful. I just, powerful. I just say it with so much ease now. No. <laughs> no. With a smile. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I don't have to explain it either. The answer is just no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's another thing that I relate to you with because it, I think many women um, are um, conflicted and many women feel the pressure of having to be there for everyone, be everything and every woman to everyone. And sometimes we forget ourselves and forget what it is that we truly, you know, want to do and forget our focus so that you learn that early and you learn to be able to say no with, with grace and gratitude is, is really important. And it, I still struggle with it. Right. And I wouldn't call myself a yes woman because I very happily say no to things. Um, but sometimes it's just like, oh, okay, let me just do this for this person. Or, oh, yeah. Right. And because of the relationship, because yeah. of what someone may have done for you before, yes. and you feel obligated. And yeah. yeah, sometimes because of that, we just overextend ourselves. Yes. So no to that. No. <laughs> no. Now let's shift a little bit back to less business in a way or different kind of business. Okay. How do you define style? Oh, um, style is a personal choice. So whatever your style may be, it's the flair that you add to something that we just consider as clothes. You know, it's the way that you wear it. Yes. It's the it's the it factor that you put to it, whether you put an it factor to it or you don't, you know, yeah. um, we can take things that I may wear and someone else may wear and it can be the same garments, but they're worn in a different way. Um, so style to me is a personal signature. Perfect. Now, how would you define being fashionable? Are they fashionable and stylish the same? I don't think so. Uh-uh. Why? See, I can be stylish and I can go to Goodwill. <laughs> True. Style doesn't have to be fashionable and just put on a bunch of labels. And because it's trending, then, yeah, it's fashion. So I, I think uh, style is putting the stank on it, so to speak. You know, <laughs> making it your own. Um, versus fashion is whatever you know, Vogue or, you know, whatever publication or social media is saying that you need to be rocking, you know? Uh, so I do not feel like they're the same at all. Okay. I got you. And you touched upon this a little earlier and I want to get back to it now regarding everyone's, you know, calling it body positivity, but I actually interviewed, um, a woman on a podcast who sort of shifted the framework for me and said, it's actually, you know, it's body neutrality. So hmm. how has the body neutrality movement, so to speak, affected your creative process? Or was this something that you had always been doing creating for? I, I, yeah, I was doing that before it was a thing. Yeah. You know, um, when you are the person that body isn't the norm, not a fat girl, not a skinny girl, you know, um, it makes you see it a little differently, you know, like you see it from a different lens. Um, so for me, you know, body neutrality, like that, that's been a thing for me, you know? Yeah. So I, I love seeing the fact that people are embracing, you know, more body types than they were before. Um, but at the same time, 
that should have happened a long time ago before it was a thing. Right. Yeah. Perfect. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast <laughs> with my fabulous guest, Tiffany Walker. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.